0: Good morning and welcome to School of Parenting on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley with myself Rachel Tyrrell and today I'm joined by Claire Cogan from Creating Calm. Claire's a teenage anxiety specialist. Good morning Claire, it's lovely to Good have you Good morning, back. it's lovely to be here. So coming up on the show this morning, we're going to be covering a few areas. Claire has written a book. She is now an author. So we're going to be talking about her book, Reopening the Slam Door, um, and thinking about the construction zone that is your teenager's brain um, yeah it's still building and growing and everything else developing uh, we yeah as parents we we really do have to get that we're going to find out what a stress bucket is do we all have one and we're going to discover how your hippocampus I hope I'm saying that right it sounds too you basic are. impacts your teen and yes we all have a hippocampus apparently so there we go if you've got any questions you can email Rachel at river.radio with questions for um, myself I probably won't be able to help much more importantly Claire or you can send us a tweet or a message on Instagram or Facebook all at river radio live so first of all Claire can you just tell us a bit about yourself I know you've been on the show before but just um, anybody who's listening can't remember just tell us a bit about yourself what you do
1: yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm Claire Cogan and I run a business called Creating Calm. So I, from a business perspective, I work and specialise in working with parents of teenagers and teenagers. Um, so as Rachel introduced me as a teenager anxiety specialist, so I I do specialise in helping parents and teens understand um, some of the struggles that we can go through as in our adult lives, but also in our teenage lives with the developing brain and all the all the stuff that comes with it but on a personal level I'm also a mum of teen boys so I'm going through the stuff as well as <laughs> supporting people with it um, and I find that really helps me keep my feet on the ground in terms of understanding some of the real life challenges we're presented with at the moment. Absolutely so you know it, you know
0: firsthand. And oh,
1: it's, like, it's like it plays out in my life every day so uh, oh. but you have to have a sense of humour about it because you think I've just been talking about this and now it's actually <laughs> happening so I'm not immune, I suppose that's what I want to say I might specialize in it but I'm not
0: immune from some of the challenges oh that's good that makes us feel better yeah absolutely (laughs) and I think it's it's really obvious actually because from the title which (laughs) is such a brilliant title that um that you are a parent of teens reopening the slam door so um, yeah we all know about the slam door even if um we haven't got children um probably from our own years as teenagers um the slam door but I love the title reopening the slam door because I'm sure there's lots of parents out there who have spent those you know um those minutes outside the door do I go back in do I do a knock and then go back in. Shall I just leave it? What do I do? So yes, brilliant. Mm. How did you come up with that? Or was it just?
1: <laughs> well, I, I can't take all the credit for it, actually. It came about um, during lockdown last year. I um, I was kind of um, like everyone grappling with the realities of what was going on and looked into actually starting my own podcast. And it all got a bit overwhelming, going to be really honest, you know, with all the trying to keep the business going and everything. So I, I ended up putting the podcast one side as a as a project to develop in the future. Mm. But the lady I was working with at the time we were we were talking about titles. And this was one of the titles that kind of came up and it kind of stuck in my brain because it really like you say, it really represents what what can actually happen not only teenagers but also us sometimes we feel like slamming the door mm. and actually just creating that barrier sometimes, Cause we, 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 do and sometimes <laughs> we do and you know it made me laugh like a drain last night because my youngest did go up and slam his door and I'm like oh this I'm living that's what I mean about I'm living living the dream of um, the teenage brain but it is about it's also metaphorical as well it's kind of like you know that kind of time where we we want to kind of we want to bridge that gap even if it's not a physical door we want to kind of help our teens know that we're there for them without kind of saying things that lead them to sort of build up walls or try and, and not share things with us we mm-hmm. want to keep that open that that fluid communication and one of the things I've learned from the work I've done and also from being a parent is we have to pick our moments and sometimes if we've had a busy, busy day we're stressed something happens we can we can handle it wrong we've all been there we've all done it and looked at it and gone I really shouldn't have said that but you know we're human Mm. you know as well as being parents and I think sometimes it's yeah I, the book and it came about from that is I, I, you know we're all we're all doing our best and mm, absolutely you
0: know. and um and actually we were chatting chatting about it on the show last week and it was all um with uh Ellen Ludlow who um does lots of uh time management work with busy mums and we were talking about relating to children and that actually came up just picking those moments Um, you know taking time for ourselves so we're ready to go in and not doing it in that rush and as a oh I've ticked this off my list now I've asked about their day but exactly as you've said Picking our moments, and I suppose we've got to also—it's it's like picking up on cues, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it does feel like walking on eggshells. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent with you on
1: that one. Hundred percent. So it's
0: sort of picking up when is uh, when is a good time, and when is a and sometimes you know not always just going on and on and on with the questions, just knowing that perhaps a silence is we just try again just
1: being there and and my my oldest he always says to me mum you stop asking me if I'm okay because I won't get anything out of him he's not going to turn around one day and go actually no mum I'm not okay and then tell me everything he'll tell me stuff when I'm like I'm 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 into something else is happening or something else is going on and that has to stop because when he's in that zone I need to be listening yeah. and that's a that's a big thing for me um you know putting the phone down mm. and putting it away mm. and actually creating that space because if they see your attention is pulled in a different direction they won't necessarily come yeah and think oh they'll think they're busy she's busy or are there particular
0: busy. moments that your teenagers know Will pick when to talk to you or it can happen at any time? It tends to happen later at night. It's mm.
1: interesting. It's kind of... It can go one of two ways in the evening, can't it? It can either go, like, you know, blow up, like it did last night. Oh. Um, but, you know, it was just just tiredness and everything. Or it can be an opportunity to um, for them to tell you something. Um, and, you know, it's it's difficult. There's no rhyme nor reason, but... Often the times when you want to talk are not the times when they want to talk. And I think that's kind of the rule of thumb. Most commonly, it's into the evening, night time, because their brains are still awake, just as we're wanting to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So that can, you know, that can be a time they've got less distractions, less pulls in different directions. They might be more inclined to start sharing things. And and we have to be available when they need it.
0: So let's talk a bit more about that then the whole, how they're. their brains, then, what how how their brains are developing, and they're quite different, aren't they? So, that whole they they're wanting to stay up later, yeah. Um, I, ha- I had this in a session that. the other
1: day because a mum was sitting there, she was going,
0: She won't go to bed when
1: I want to go to bed. I'm like, There's a reason for that. <laughs> so, yeah, their brain chemistry changes hugely when they are going through, um, well, pre teens into the teenage years, actually. This isn't just you know, you mm. hit 13 and it all it all starts changing it starts starts sort of changing before that and you know over time their their chem- brain chemistry changes so it affects their sleep patterns so their sleep cycles are different to ours so we're traditionally used to you know going to bed at a certain time and our children go to bed either before us or you mm-hmm. know in the later years sort of at the same time but they still tend to be awake mm-hmm. and and that is because of melatonin. That's because of the, the brain chemistry is, is is just not designed for them to feel sleepy at, at that time. And that means they're t- more tired in the morning. So that, that grumpy kind of teenage, oh, I don't want to get up, I'm groggy. Well, you should have gone to sleep earlier. Mm. It's not always them. It's not always because of that. So my oldest son is a very, um, he's always loved his, going to sleep he's you know it's like no I'm going to bed even if we're out and about it's like I'm really tired I want to go home now I'm like okay he's uh, and but even now he says to me I'm not tired when I go to bed you know he notices that Mm. in himself Mm. so it's it's really quite interesting what goes on so understanding that can give us a bit of um appreciation it's not they're doing it to annoy us it's Mm. not they're doing it deliberately sometimes they will be but you know there is a level of actually their brains are not switching off in the same way they used to when they were younger and I think for parents to be aware of that means they can take that step back and kind of go all right this isn't great because I'm exhausted and I want to go to sleep but actually you know it's creating maybe
0: accepting it a bit as well that those battles maybe don't need to be battles and just have a yeah, yeah. A little and bit just of knowing that
1: and helping them to know that switching switching their brains off is still important so things like not having devices on yeah. late at night is is you know proven scientifically mm. proven to actually you know help their sleep help the melatonin flow um and helping them understand that and if they want to not feel really knackered in the morning then yeah. that's going to help but it won't necessarily mean that they
0: they're out for the count yeah um they've still got to wind down they do so what other stuff is happening in their brains because you've used um in your book you talk about the you know the caveman almost Mm. which i'm sure (laughs) we can relate to that without (laughs) teens um but it it's obviously is a thing isn't it this
1: it completely is and it it is for us as well as teens but what um What is very different about the teenage brain is it it goes through a massive rewiring phase during the teenage years. Mm. So it's maturing. So it doesn't reach full maturity till, in some cases, 24. So we think 18, they're adults and off they go into the Mm. big wide world. But actually, you know, there's there's still lots and lots of changes going on. And one of the struggles for our teens is our... We, our brain starts developing back to front. So we have a we have um, a prefrontal cortex, which is at the front, if you think where your forehead mm. is, that's our intellectual rational part where we take that step back and go, right, this is a real challenge, but I'm going to do A, B or C to deal with it. And as adults, w- based on that and life experience, we can see the bigger picture. So if they have disagreements with people, they're falling out or they've got challenges, we can see the bigger picture in mm. uh, to see how they can resolve it. The challenge for teenagers is they, that part is underdeveloped during okay. the teenage years. So, and they struggle because they spend more time in that caveman brain, that reactive, emergency, primitive brain. And therefore, when you're being all rational and like trying to kind of give them the bigger picture, they can't see what you see. Okay. They also lack emotional regulation because that's the part of the brain that, again, is very reactive. So we see a lot more line off the handle slamming Mm. doors um drama their lives become very kind of reactive and you know in some cases quite dramatic you know fallings out with friends situations where we kind of go whoa okay chill but they actually it feels really real to them because their brain is in that real kind of reactive state of being while it's, so it's
0: literally that they can't process that then yeah because of how their brain's developing exactly
1: and and you know they will have moments where they are up here and and part of what i do is helping them strengthen that rational perspective based part and see their strength and see their their abilities but if they're spending all day with teenagers who are going through exactly the same mm. thing you can see which bit's going to be get the most of a workout and then they come home and we're kind of going yeah but let's have a look at like you know alternatives and they just flip because they're like no that's not it that's not gonna work yeah. i know best and then it all just go in the air so what do we do in that situation so we pick our moments, I yes. guess. <laughs> that's that's our our thing. We, we do pick our <laughs> moments. And that comes down to us feeling like um, a lot of us as parents, me included, want to fix things mm. for our kids. Mm. We, we did it a lot when they were younger. And we can't do that with teenagers. We have to let them tread their own path. So part of it is picking the moments. You know, a- another reason for re- writing this book is if parents can actually, when the kids are in that space to listen explain a bit about this Mm. then when they are in that space you understand what's going on and so do they so when I when I work with my teenage clients I explain this to them and I say this is where your brain's at when you feel this way and this is why you just can't get a grip on how you're feeling or mum or dad says something and you just want to fly off the handle and that empowers them because they get it okay they're not you know then then it's not they don't want to know they just don't understand what's going Mm. on and you know the time you spend to actually give them lots of examples of it and really you can help rebalance the last 18 months has just had such a such a significant impact a lot of young people who haven't experienced this real intensity I was quite scared by it because I well why
0: am I feeling like this Mm. I've
1: never felt like this
0: before so pick a time then when they're calm or at their you know most receptive (laughs) moments maybe you've yeah maybe you've served their favourite dinner or something I don't know something but but when they're they're in a chill place yeah yeah. yeah. okay and then have a chat to that because I guess that's a problem isn't it often we come out with this stuff, don't we, when in reaction to some explosion they've had? Yeah. And of, clearly, that's not the best time to do it. So, no, pick no. calm moments to to, to to explain. Exactly. And then, hopefully, the fact that they're aware, I guess, and then possibly not so scared of what's going on.
1: Exactly. No and I think teens are all, this part of the brain is all or nothing. It's very, it's mm. black and white. Mm. So, they will look at a situation, feel a certain way, and think they're the only one feeling like that. And actually one of the the most rhetorical conversations I have with teenagers is you're 100% not alone. So I'll share stories of teenagers. Mm. You know, obviously confidentiality is a priority, but stories of Mm. teenagers that I've worked with that have experienced, you know, similar things and things that have happened to help them. And I think, you know, they can isolate themselves because they they don't they don't understand why they Mm. feel the way they do and and people want them to talk about it but they don't know what to say they don't Mm. they don't understand why I don't want to be asked lots of questions about how I feel because I don't know how I feel I just Mm. don't like it or you know and it it manifests itself in so many different ways as well I mean I talked about in the book about you know my own journey with acute anxiety and developing controlled eating and Mm. that might be my journey but it might be very it will be very
0: different to another young person's Mm. journey well we definitely want to hear about how you your journey Claire that led you to writing this book because I think that's um you know it's fascinating and also it it makes the book so meaningful your mm. own journey and also um frenemies that you talk about because I think that is a, a, a brilliant term and mm. obviously you had um experience of that so we're going to have a quick song break and um and when we come back yeah we find out about um frenem- frenemies what led Claire to writing the book her own experiences and um we're going to be talking about the stress bucket, the hippocampus. <laughs> You're excited about that. I think it, we're isn't? going to run out of time, to be honest. Um, and the other thing is there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel because there's this REM that you talk about with their sleep and that great phrase, sleep on it, which actually means it does It does work, doesn't does it? it? So, um, so don't go um, anywhere.
2: Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This... This is River Radio.
0: Well,
3: now for some pop music.
0: Bad Habits,
2: Ed Sheeran. Every time you come around, you know I can't say no. Every time the sun goes down, I let you take control. I can feel the power. My bad habits lead to late nights and-
0: School of Parenting on River Radio, the voice of the Thames Valley, with myself, Rachel Tyrrell, and my guest today is Claire Cogan. Claire is author of Reopening the Slam Door, which literally um, just launched. When did it launch? Yesterday. yesterday. Oh, so it's so great having Claire here today. It's a guide to surviving the teenage years, and we absolutely all need um, a guide for surviving those years. So if you've missed the first part of the show, um, you can catch up on podcast or through our... Website river.radio. You can also listen to us through our website, ask Alexa to play River Radio live, or you can download on your mobile Apple app, Google app. Um, so, Claire, we started off um, talking a little bit about. Um, well first of all, the brilliant title reopening the slam door. but we were talking about how teenagers um, brains are developing. It's like a construction zone there. They've got that part of their brain which is a bit like a caveman and, the, and that's just part of their develop it, development. Um, But obviously, if they understand that a little bit better, and then if we can pick calm moments to chat to them about that, that that will massively help them. Um, We spoke about obviously sleep and how their sleep cycles are different. Can you just, um, this this whole phrase, um, sleep on it. I mean, when I, I remember chatting to you a, a long time ago. And when you explained that, I had no idea... Where the phrase came from, sleep on it, or things will look better in the morning, because it is so true. They do, don't they? So, how does this kind of link into this REM? I mean, I'm sure we've all heard of REM in relation to sleep.
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty um it's pretty game changing, really, when you understand this, because you know we talk about stress and we talk about anxiety and we talk about all the things that happen, and you know, you I'm going to use the, uh, the um stress bucket that you mentioned the mm. the term the stress bucket so we all have a bucket we all fill it every day and you know there's lots of talk out there about things you can do to empty a bucket and things you can do to not fill it up and and you know that I talk about it in the book too but what often isn't talked about so much is what the brain actually does to empty the bucket so mm. REM sleep also known as bucket emptying sleep, okay. so it's really really clever. So it's the part of the sleep cycle. If you think of sleep um, cycle like a pie, like a pie chart, we all have sections that do different things. Mm. This part is about taking whatever's gone on during the day, thinking about negative things, negative experiences, challenging things that have happened during the day that have gone into that bucket, and it processes them. So we know it does that because we. When, when it moves, so going back to the brain, we've got this caveman primitive brain, which is very neg- totally negative, black and white thinking, mm. will take everything as it is and, and react to it. And then you've got that rational bit I was talking about, the prefrontal cortex up, up in the, the, around the forehead. And when we have REM, it processes, so it takes those negative experiences, memories, and it moves them during our sleep to that prefrontal cortex, the part where we have control and perspective over something. So the example I use in the book, kids have, an, have arguments. And we know those arguments will resolve within 24 hours, normally sooner than that, because we've seen it before. We're nice and rational, but they're in that moment of drama. Something's happened, they're really upset about it, and they, they can't see a way forward. So that sleeping on it is the brain taking that argument and moving it into that other part of the brain where they wake up in the morning, well, there's two things that might happen one is they wake up in the morning and they do feel better about that argument they have maybe they might think differently about it they might think oh i'm just gonna go and text that friend and i'm just gonna sort it out and it'll be okay and that's a sign it's our rem has processed that experience and okay. dealt with it so we can move on mm. it's done if if young people, and us for that matter, are still waking up in the morning worrying about the same thing in the same way as when we went to sleep, then it's still in your bucket. So your REM hasn't got to it. Okay. And one of the biggest challenges right now is our buckets are so full and overflowing. You've only got to see what's going on in, in the world. Right now with this mm. petrol crisis, mm. people are just so stressed out. They're reactive. They're not looking at the bigger picture. They're they're just They're just in that moment of, of survival mm. that it, nothing else matters, and things aren 't moving into that perspective rational part of the brain, and that 's why it 's so important that we we work towards optimizing that rem
0: and then if um I mean it, it is the idea that you also you're doing other things to empty that bucket if yeah. it 's not if your rem isn 't enough or I mean can you say right i 'm going to go to bed at six o'clock tonight so I can get loads of REM? Unfortunately
1: not it's restricted to 20% of your sleep cycle so okay. um and that, that's why a lot of people it's very innovating it uses a huge amount of energy as you can imagine because it's, it's your brain is actually doing the job of working stuff out and moving stuff mm. so to help you move forward in life otherwise we'd be constantly stuck cuz we'd be constantly ruminating over things that have mm. happened so the the way that i work on so i work with young people and adults as well is like stopping negative stuff going in the bucket so the things that we can do to look at the positive parts of life and the things we can do more because when we're doing things we enjoy whatever that might be Mm. we're not in that negative thought cycle therefore we're not filling the bucket but also I use um I use hypnotherapy because Mm. hypnotherapy actually processes and empties that bucket so if um young people and adults for that matter listen to um hypnotherapy recording that I I have at night before they go to bed it gives them that boost of REM and we we talk about it getting on top of the bucket so it's kind of like it's that extra bit of REM that they get because it it replicates REM so hypnotherapy helps the brain getting into a relaxed place where it's not worrying it's not stressed it's just allowing the brain to just process things very very impactful and it can be massively helpful with young people particularly when they feel so
0: overwhelmed and mm. everything that's going mm. on have got that overflowing bucket then yeah okay so we 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 kind of got straight into chatting at the start of the show claire um because about the construction zone and this, this you know caveman um but tell us tell us um, a bit about your own personal story and why you actually wrote this book I mean obviously it's a work that you do with teenagers but you but you have your own experiences as well can you share a bit of bit about that
1: yeah so this I I wrote at the beginning this book's uh, been a my life in the making uh, a lifetime in the making because actually it has been so my um I moved into a completely new area. I didn't know anyone when I was 11 so I started secondary school. I I I didn't know a person. Mm. And I having had children myself and I think when you have children that move into the teen years and start secondary school, you start to realise how impactful something like that can mm. be on your life. Because my children had their friendship groups, they had a very solid mm. life and community setup that allowed them to adjust into secondary school life. So And that's a
0: massive change on its, it's own huge. going to secondary school without the change that you yeah. then experience. Yeah, and
1: I know this happens to a lot of a lot of other people and it was it, it it was unfortunate that i ended up with a group of girls that 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 i struggled to be around that i you know that kind of weren't that comfortable in their own skin and and as we know can present a lot of challenges and one of the reasons i'm so passionate about why teaching what i teach is If we have a setup that allows us to fall back on something we can fall back on, whether it's a supportive family, whether it's strong friendship group outside of school or activities outside Mm. of school, even activities in school, it can help us feel more resilient. But I had nobody and nothing. And Mm. it was a real slow drip effect into a spiral of anxiety, of hiding anxiety, not understanding what it was and just being incredibly vulnerable to a group of very difficult girls mm. i didn't know what was going on i was mm. i was probably peaked since i was thirteen, fourteen. 14 um but i developed a lot of coping strategies and then you know being academically excellent was one of them so all the adults in my world were like well she's doing brilliantly mm. so look at look at her look at all her a's you know so that made me feel good about myself but actually it didn't really it was only external kind of reassurance to everyone that i was doing well therefore i must be mentally well and i was mentally struggling mm. um and and it, it's it's helping adults to understand anxiety doesn't just come from panic attacks or just start, i'm really worried about stuff anxiety can be expressed in other behaviors, things like what happened to me, I started to control my eating. I lost a lot mm. of weight. It wasn't because I wanted to be thin, it was because control, mm. the brain needs control. When you feel out of control, it looks for something it can control. So, what I'm seeing at the moment with a lot of young people is they're developing quite acute health anxiety because of the pandemic. And actually, you know, worries about getting sick, worries about other people getting sick. It's a normal human expression of a time something I don't feel in control therefore I'm you know my brain's trying to focus me on something but um to worry about almost so for me it was it was it was just yeah I think back on it and I just think I don't I thought I don't want my boys to have that experience mm. if they have tough times at school I want them to have something
0: to go go back go and, back to. and you refer you use this term frenemies yeah. yeah I mean that's a brilliant term when you describe what it is and I mean you can't generalise between boys and girls, but I would say particularly girls are a little bit trickier, yeah. um, aren't they, with that whole
1: They are, unfortunately. And and and, and I, I'm I'm a lot more sympathetic to my friendship group now. I've I do what I do because we're all trying to find our own path. We're all trying to find our own identity. I think it's a lot worse now with social media and that mm. influence that goes on, and things don't just, you know, my my experiences, my bullying experiences, finished at the end of the day, and I kind of had that uh, that afternoon, evening, and overnight to recover before the next days, whatever whatever ha- was going to happen. But I think now the frenemy thing is. It's re- they're really tough friends to navigate because they'll say things. Oh, I don't, I don't really mean it. You know, you're just being sensitive, mm. and that was always the problem for me when I tried to fight back. It was like, oh, you're just being oversensitive, you know, and, and they'd just laugh at me. So, the whole concept of I'll oh, just stand up for yourself is incredibly difficult mm. in a in a teenage friendship dynamic, and it be can be quite debilitating for them, um and or just ignore them really hard. Really and again, hard. I
0: guess from the outside to people looking in with our own children, you could think that things are okay because there's actually a friendship group there, mm. but not actually realise that whole concept of frenemies is where it's that sort of chipping away or yeah. um what well, passive aggressive, isn't it? Sort yeah. of comments that, Oh no, I was joking yeah. or that's not your thighs you know. aren't really
1: fat in that pair of leggings, you know. Yeah. You know, I was but actually why do you say it? And yeah. so again it's going back to what we were talking about you know helping our teens understand that the, the brain what's going on in the brain we need to uh, our teens to understand what frenemies are mm. and I do actually think that I do know for a fact our young people these days are much more up on these things I mean they have they have the world's information at their fingertips Mm. and they do look stuff up sometimes to their advantage sometimes to their detriment but um because sometimes they they know too much or take something out of context but actually they are much more aware but it's about putting the context around what's happening to them and helping them understand the perspective on it so they can cope with it mm. because sometimes you can't just walk away from a friendship group sometimes mm. that's your friendship group yeah. you know and you've got if you do that what happens it's that tribal mentality so it's a real dilemma for for young people um to actually navigate and we can help them with that just by Showing that we understand a bit Mm. more about what they're going through. And as you
0: said earlier, they haven't got that ability. Their brain's not developed to be able to see the big picture actually. So the the thought that they might lose that group could, you know, could actually put them into basically a panic because they can't see, Oh, well actually I could, you know you actually you talk in the book about how you did then find some other groups Mm. so that's having that bigger picture isn't it that perspective Mm. and letting our teens know that if there is stuff like that going on there is yeah hopefully uh, I know we we want to fix stuff and sometimes they've got to do it themselves but Guess they also need that support don't they in that perspective they do and I
1: think part yeah my saving grace was um i had a, made a couple of new friends which opened still at school but opened new opportunities for me to to be myself and I think mm. you know and I think for us as parents it is about looking at things that we can do um to help encourage and support them and sometimes it's just about planting the seed so, you know, sometimes you'll think your words haven't gone anywhere because they've thrown them back at you. Oh mm. stop going on at me. I don't need to this, that and the other. Never think that what you've said hasn't gone anywhere, because it always does. What what can happen if you push your point is that it will they will they will resist to a resisting sake. But if you mm. plant that seed and you leave it, it matures, it nurtures. They they do still listen to us and I you know we need to still be showing that we're there to shine that light to guide the way not we can't fix these situations, but we can we can give ideas of things that they can do and things you know ways that they can can help them navigate these tricky times.
0: well, all that brilliant information, and i've not finished the book so um i'm'm probably about halfway through and i've said to claire i've already learnt loads um. But one word I hadn't come across was the hippocampus. <laughs> You're loving this word, don't you? <laughs> I know, the hippocampus. But when I was reading that section on the hippocampus, mm. um, yeah, I was like, wow, that is so true. So explain what the hippocampus is. So the hippocampus—it's quite funny because when
1: you, you um, with the younger children I work with, you know, we—they often recall it as the hippo because it's an easier way to think yeah. about it. But it stores all our memories, so it stores everything. So you imagine it like a library in the mind of everything you've ever experienced, and it's really key for for teens to understand that, particularly if they're experiencing anxiety and and or they're starting to change their behaviour. So things like avoiding situations or um, that they might have been anxious about in the past or things that have um, upset them or situations they've had and the hippocampus will if if memories aren't processed well or they have a lot of emotion attached to them so they're really really upsetting event like you know I talk about some of the things that happened to me is that we then the rest of our life we kind of avoid situations that might seem similar because when they end up like that they're They're kind of red flagged as something dangerous in our mm. primitive minds, so it's like, well, you don't want to do that because if you do that, that might happen, and it's that constant dialogue and it can actually stop young people from doing the things that might actually help them move forward um through no fault of their own and Again, the health anxiety at the moment with young people is a lot to do with. The, the hippocampus having so much information about people being sick people dying people close to them dying what if i do this what mm-hmm. if i do that the hippocampus is actually firing off all this warning signals around um illness and 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 they're starting to develop some you know coping strategies that obviously aren't aren't
0: healthy and you talk about um you, you mentioned earlier about about kids because they're on their phones and their social media and they are aware of a lot of these terms because as you're talking about it the term I've heard is is triggered they use triggered a lot don't they are you triggered are you triggered by that yeah is that a trigger (laughs) so that's and I'm thinking well that's obviously the in word or or they obviously use it at school Mm. or in their friendship groups yeah um is that basically what they're talking about then? If they're, So they're understanding, what, a little bit? Or yeah. is that just all I mean, that term suddenly? Oh, do you know, <laughs> honestly, my world is about... In fact, one day I had I
1: had a conversation with one of the teens I've been working with for quite a while. And she, I was just like, right, okay. She used a whole bunch of words. And I went, right, okay, you're going to have to stop. I'm 42 years old. Uh, I don't, you know, please, can you help me understand? what? The, and she loved it. She loved explaining it I all bet. to me and what it all meant. And then I went in and tested it out on my boys. And I just get eye rolls from them. And they're just like, no, you are not going down that road of being cool. So, um, but anyway, yeah, one of the challenges, like you say, with so much information is that they will, they will take something and they will use it, but often out of context or they'll use it mm. in a, I would say it's quite a frenemy type behavior. Are you triggered, you know, are you right. this or you that. Mm. And that's my the biggest concern around mental health and around anxiety is what is anxiety and what is normal transition and change. So our, our brains are primed, if we're going into any new environment, to feel more heightened, more alert. It's like that meerkat sticking the head out the hole, look, just looking around, just checking out. So, all the transitions to university, you know, in the next few weeks, you know, that's what it's about. That's mm. not anxiety, that's normal transitional feelings Mm. of transition and change and one of the challenges with young people knowing so much and you know using these terms is that they misunderstand what anxiety actually is and what it can do and and when it's just a normal kind of path Mm. um and it's it can be difficult for them to then distinguish between between the two but yeah things like triggered you know and they're very very they'll use a lot of terminology but won't totally no Mm. so sometimes for me i have to take those words and go what do you think it means i'm just going to explain from a brain point of view what Mm. it actually means and often they go oh okay i didn't know that you know but it's good because again it's just giving them the, the knowledge mm. you know to help them actually understand mm. it so there's nothing but a good thing and it's
0: a good sign because it means obviously in our schools well we know that in our schools there's um you know there's there's bullying policies that are in place and there's a lot more talk about mental health i mean my children just came home um just last week with a whole load of pamphlets on it so obviously it's things that are being spoken about in school um but yeah it's then getting them to I suppose understand it or use those terms in the right way, and as you said, not as a, you know, that frenemy way or as a put down or you know, yeah, that, that's that the kind thing. Of thing. That's the thing for for me. It's
1: kind of, and they're all they're going to do it right because they're still they like I say, their brains are still developing. They're going to test stuff. It's it's part of their their life and how they how they how they move forward. But one of the things I have around mental health awareness is awareness is half the battle. We've got to mm. help them what they can do to learn and understand what they can do about it so learning about the brain is one thing but they you have to give teens a reason to do something which is why with the hypnotherapy they're more likely to engage with it when they understand the REM and what goes on in the brain and how Mm. it helps them deal with things Mm. whereas if you just tell them to listen to a hypnotherapy relaxation recording well that's never gonna that's never gonna happen Mm. because you know we've got to treat them with respect we need to they need to know why why should we just tell them
0: to do something expect them to do it they're not gonna Absolutely. And I know I do love this word, the hippocampus, but let's just take <laughs> a break because I also I want to ask you, you did touch on it, but I do, I do want to ask that, how parents, our own hippocampus, can then, we can literally yeah. project that, can't we, onto our teens so we can uh, really not be that helpful. And um, we've got Just The Way You Are, Bruno Mars. Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot,
2: Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell, Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading,
0: ready okay. Ta-da.
2: The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Oh, her eyes, her eyes make the stars look like they're not shining. Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying. She's so beautiful, and I tell her every day.
0: come back to School of Parenting with myself, Rachel Tyrrell, and my guest today, Claire Cogan, who's the author of Reopening the Slam Door, A Guide to Surviving the Teenage Years, um, which was just launched yesterday. So thank you so much, Claire, for coming um, onto the show. Now, if um, you've missed anything in uh, the first part of the show, you can listen again through our website or on podcast at river.radio, and you can listen to us on your mobile, Google app, apple app or ask alexa to play river radio live um so claire we've spoken well we've spoken about lots so if if people have missed anything i can't there's too much to recap basically (laughs) just go and listen to us on a podcast or on listen again um but we have been chatting about the hippocampus and that whole a word that I know my teenager one of my uh, children whose teenager uses that whole triggered um, but how does it relate to us as parents because I think that was the fascinating thing I think we, we probably know it on some level but just reading that actually as parents our own experiences and negative experiences we can literally project those onto our children and you spoke earlier about what led you and your story to writing the book um, and your own experiences. I mean, it's got to be really tricky, isn't it? When you've had your own negative experiences as a teenager and then not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is this is something, you know, that is really key when we look at the hippocampus, Rachel's <laughs> favorite word, um, is that you know, it's not just all about our teenagers. It's not just about, you know, helping them through, navigating what what they bring home. It's also about how we react and respond to it. So as we were saying at the beginning, you know, if we're feeling calmer in ourselves, we're better placed to deal with it. But there's a whole other level. Um, you know, and the example I used in my book is is around bullying because my teenage years, my secondary school years, you know, the emotional um bullying that I experienced was pervasive. It was every day. It was just, you know, chipped away at at my whole sense of self. And so when you have children yourself and, you know, there's a, a challenging friendship situation or something happens, it's hard not to feel those feelings that you felt when you were a vulnerable kid and no one was sticking up for you. So what you know talk about is the difference you know the fact that we as parents have to engage engage that prefrontal cortex that 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 perspective rational brain and go okay what if this is my stuff and what if this is you know actually happening to to my child because I mean you know many a time we've had situations where i've been like a red rag to a bull with a situation maybe the friendship group and i'm ready to jump and either my husband's gone hey just chill or now my sons are older particularly my older one will turn around and go mum no that's not what it's about at all it's it's cool i've sorted it
0: have you shared your experiences with them so they understand i had um, i older. had to because right, okay. um particularly with my oldest and and
1: you know i, I said to him over a couple of situations actually this is this is about what happened to me and, okay. and I actually do talk to them about it because sometimes you just flip and you know you're having to claw that back and and, and it helps them to understand mm. you know we should be talking about what you know some of our own struggles and and also it helps them it's more relatable for them if they know that you felt you know you've been through some stuff you know and yeah I have and I think that makes a huge difference we we should we should yeah. Talk about this stuff. Well, it's stuff being honest, kids.
0: isn't it? Explaining, as you said, if, what, ha, what's going on for us. But I guess as well, if they've got that um, context, can they then turn around and go, no, actually, it's not like that mum, yeah. it's okay, yeah. sort of thing. Or yeah. actually, yeah, that comment was, you know, if they're sharing something, just so we don't. Exactly that. And I think they, they, they know what I'm like. And
1: also, you know, without being too gender specific and obviously taking into account lots of people's ident- own identities these days you know there are differences in interactions you know they're and and I'm learning through having two two children who identify themselves as male you know and actually their interactions are different maybe to, yeah. to what I had so I have to be very conscious of that and and all the reading I do I read around all the different kind of you know, genders and Mm. and subjects to try and help me gain that rational perspective. But for us parents, you know, if there's one key thing I'd say for for all of us, for all of you is sometimes when you're feeling really reactive to a situation, take that step back, have a conversation with another adult, Mm. whether it's a partner or husband or wife or Mm. a friend, Mm. and just help your brain to get it into that perspective because if we fly off the handle and we react we can't take that back mm. and sometimes when we talk about reopening the slam door that might have been your one way in mm. and I'm, um, you know it, not you know we often have other opportunities but if it's something particularly key as well just use adult your adult support network mm. to kind of just get a grip on what's going on before you kind of delve into that stuff or react to it or do something that you then can't take back
0: well it's all awareness as well isn't it so Mm. it's being aware of what are what's going on for us as well and what might be us doing that whole projection thing so we have I I can't believe we've we're literally at the end of the show Claire I know um but please um, t- please tell us where can people go to get the book because it's all the stuff that we've spoken about on today's show is in there, plus a whole lot more that we didn't get to talk about. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about the whole anger thing. That was just, you know, how we react differently when they're teenagers mm-hmm. to when they're toddlers, but it's all in the book. So where can listeners get get your book, Claire? Good old Amazon. Brilliant. It's available on Kindle um, or uh, paperback okay Moment. and also how can um people work with you as well if they want to actually work you know to go go a step further and um do some work with you all for the teens. so i
1: have two options i have um as well as the book i have an online um program for parents called tools for teens which is available um Or I I do work one-to-one, both online and face-to-face with young people, but also parents as well. I do kind of parent SOS sessions where I look at kind of taking parents through some of the challenges and help them again get that perspective over a situation and some strategies to help them manage because sometimes teens don't want to come and see me Mm. um, and that leaves parents a bit high and dry without anything so Mm. it's all about different opportunities to give them tools to help their teens
0: brilliant and um so listeners can go to your website
1: yeah so it's clairecogan.com okay um probably best place or you can find me my my social handle is Creating calm so um you can find me on instagram and facebook
0: brilliant well thank you so much claire that has been really beneficial i'm absolutely loving the book i'm learning loads so um yeah go and order order yourself a copy because um it's it's going to really help you and really help help support your teens as well and um, if you did miss any part of the show you can listen again at river.radio or on podcast just search for river radio school of parenting Um, next week on the show uh, we're sort of looking at the other end of the life scale we're chatting about grandparents and we're speaking with miriam blaisley from elizabeth house in cookham which is a day center for the elderly and talking about the importance of volunteering so something that our young children do my son's just started doing DfE, and oh, I know yeah. there's lots of stuff, isn't there, on that. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, um, you know, just really how um, beneficial volunteering can be, not just for the people that, that you're volunteering with and your people that you're serving, but also um, for your own self. And then coming up later at 1 o'clock today is Andrea McLeod with On The Job. She's going to be talking to Nicola Shuttle about her work as a health and wellness coach and as a GB triathlete so um tune in to Andrea and on the job and um thank you again Claire Cogan for coming in author of okay we can say that now can't we author of reopening the slam door um brilliant title um, and it really has got some um, great tips that will help you reopening that door we all want to reopen that door don't we as parents um, so join me next week on School of Parenting the school that you want to come back to and we're going to finish uh, finish with Cover Me in Sunshine Pink and Willow Sage Heart Thank you Claire No problem
3: I've been dreaming friendly faces I've got so much time to kill Just imagine people laughing I know some Cover me
2: in sunshine, shower me with good times, tell me that the world's been spinning since the beginning, and everything will be alright, cover me in sunshine.
3: From my distance, all these mountains are hard, just sometimes.